Here comes the, here comes the, here comes the, y'all don't really worry like, oh, yeah. here comes the, no, here comes the, oh, here comes the, y'all don't another episode of the drop goal podcast on today's episode of the drop goal podcast we are joined by former coach for halifax uh, a play for the london broncos and lisa insurance uh, he's a current head coach of the Salford red devils it's the man himself richard marshall welcome to the podcast mate how are you yeah good very very good how are you not bad myself mate uh glad to uh, glad to see i can get you on the podcast there uh, and we'll have a good chat about rugby league today not a problem mate I'm looking forward to it Right, so uh, without wasting any more time, let's begin. So the first question is, what are Salford's expectations for the coming season? Okay, the expectations for Salford uh, are obviously quite high, mm. bearing in mind that the, the the club has made a couple of finals over the last two years, uh, grand final against St. Helens and obviously the, the Challenge Cup final uh, last year and, and done a really good job. So the bar is raised very high at the, at the club. I think the squad, uh, you know, is is as good, if not better, than than last year's squad in mm. some some respects. So, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of expectation at the club. You know, our supporters uh, are used to playing in big games and getting to finals, and so are our players. So, yeah, I, I just hopefully my coaching ability can match the expectations. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so it's fair to say you've had quite an incredible career in rugby league, both on the pitch as well as coaching from the sidelines. What would you say has been the highlight of your rugby career so far? Uh, obviously, you know, playing a game that you love and getting paid for it's fantastic as a player and playing yeah. some some big games. And uh, I played in a, a wonderful uh, Halifax team coached by John Pendlebury back in 1998, probably before you were even born. But that was yeah. a good year for, in my playing career. Uh, Coaching-wise, I've been an assistant at two of the you know most prominent clubs in the competition in Warrington and St. Helens. Mm. I had success there. As a head coach, I... Uh, I was at Halifax and to be fair, it was under the pump. We we're up against some strong championship teams who were full-time, spent a lot more money than ourselves. Um, but three out of the four years, we made the, the top eights, the middle eights, sorry, as it, as it was in them days. Yeah. And playing some big games against Warrington, Leeds, Catalan, Salford. Uh, so as a young coach, uh, you know, making making a foothold in the game, I thought that was a good grounding for me as head coach. And, you know, I've got some fond memories of my, my time at Halifax. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so the 2021 season is just around the corner now with an expected return date of around late February, early March, if things go well. Uh, what are you and the Salford boys putting into place in order to get ready for the coming season? Well, obviously I was appointed a day after the grand final uh, at yeah. Salford. And uh, so I really wanted to get to grip straight away. So I've not really had a day off since mm-hmm. since that, uh, that grand final win. Um, had a week just to, to sort out the, the plans of, of, of what I wanted to do in January, but also I wanted to get eyes on the players and I wanted to introduce myself to them. So we had a week before Christmas, mm. which uh, which was just based on a bit of games and a little bit of testing. Uh, and then we started last week on the 4th of January, that like uh, most of the clubs in Super League. Mm. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, so looking forward to pre-season. We've already had a week, we sort of 10 days in now. Uh, getting to grips with the squad, working on our skill level, our fitness level, our strength, and and assembling a staff as well off the field is, was important. We didn't have yeah. any staff really. Uh, you know, Ian Watson did a fantastic job there, and obviously had some trusted staff members and took them with him to Huddersfield. So yeah. we had to we had to re-recruit the staff, um, and I'm really happy in, in that area as well. 
that's class. <coughs> uh, so do you think that this season is going to be similar uh, to last season with no fans in the ground, uh, especially for the start of the year uh, with the current situation? It looks that way. Uh, it looks it looks that way, uh, which is it's a real shame because the game is completely different without the supporters there. Yeah, um, they do they do make the atmosphere. The players love uh, playing in front of the supporters, and I'm sure I'm looking forward to the Salford uh, faithful getting behind us as well. Uh, unfortunately, that's not probably not going to be the case for for for, for a couple couple of months probably. Uh, but as soon as we get our supporters back and and the competition is it will be vibrant again. I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so I'll ask you a question that I ask most when they come onto the podcast. Uh, at what age did rugby league come into your life? Uh, I was probably a, a late developer, a late starter. I played soccer uh, up okay. until I was about four, 14. And then uh, I ended up going to Wollstone Rovers. <clears throat> yeah. Basically got too big for football. I couldn't yeah. fit in the shorts, the football shorts. So... <laughs> Uh, the football coach at the time suggested I probably went and played rugby as would my shape and he probably couldn't get away with that nowadays but mm. that was the, be- the best des- decision I ever made and I went to Wilson Rovers uh, under 14s under 15s and played a little bit of school for the town um, yeah. and, and, then, and, then, and then went to Halifax really I was at St. Helens as an academy player mm-hmm. but Malcolm Reilly who was a great brain coach at the time he was coaching also coaching Halifax an absolute legend of the game, and he signed, he signed me, and uh, and, and the rest is history. I had, a, I had a, a really good playing career. I was never the best player on the field, but I was one of those players who really worked hard. Yeah, and probably got the, the you know the best out of myself. I wasn't the biggest, but I played in the middle, and mm-hmm. um, you know played with some wonderful players throughout my career. But uh, love coaching. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so I was going to ask, growing up, did you play for any of your junior clubs? But like you said, you played for the uh, the Wollstone Rovers. Uh, how was your time in junior rugby? Uh, did you settle in straight away? How was it? Well, yeah, it, um, I went to Cultureth High School in Warrington and I played yeah. for the Eagles as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, 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 yeah, it was a really good good time for me, a good grounding, some really good coaches. As every uh, junior player, you need some support and development and we had that. Uh, Warrington's quite a vibrant rugby town, which which helped as well. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, it's, you know, then you get to some representative levels and, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I came through with lots of players at the time um, who have gone on to to coach and, and play international. So, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's probably died off a little bit now, but I reckon hopefully we can, re- re- you know, reignite our sport and yeah. it's such a wonderful product. Um, but it doesn't get the credit and accolades that it deserves. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so when you're a young player and now with the coaching experiences, what would you say could be done uh, in order to attract younger people to the sport and get them more involved so we have more youth coming through the academies? Well, I think we've got a, a decent coaching network. You need quality coaches who, yeah, who uh, <clears throat> you know, obviously we've got a governing body in the, in, in the RFL and, and, and Super mm-hmm. League as well. And they should oversee the coaching operation and coach development. I think that's important. Junior pathways, my uh, my ethos, my mentality is, is about junior development. Um, you know, every 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 Super League club should have an academy. We're trying to get one back at Salford, and I think every every club needs a pathway. Yeah, whether that whether that be from the scholarship up to college, up to regional academies, whatever it'll be, whatever it looks like, um, mm. players need to see a clear pathway, and uh, and people who've already been there and done that as well to give them inspiration. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so you signed your first playing contract, professional playing contract, 
uh, with what was then the Halifax Blue Sox. Uh, what was it like playing your first professional game with Halifax? Yeah, first professional game. So I uh, I signed, I think it was in 1994, maybe debut a year later. Mm-hmm. Um, and against it was against Wigan at the, the old Central Park. And yeah, within that team was Chris Radlinski, Adrian, uh, uh, Andy Farrell, uh, Vaiga Marla, Henry Paul, such a fantastic team. And I think, if I remember, I think Twigamala ran over the top of me in that game to, to score one of his tries. So that was a... That was a, a baptism of fire. Yeah. Um, so that was good. I'll tell you what, 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 what really ignited my career. As I said, Malcolm really signed, signed me. He, and he had a link with Manly. All right. His best friend was Bobby Fulton, who was the Australian coach at the time. And, and uh, yeah. we had a player exchange and I did six months oh, right. over, uh, over at Manly playing in their mm. Jersey flag, which is an under twenties competition. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, and love that, and then came back and signed full time for Halifax. So that sort of made me. Mm. Uh, and I know most players. If you look at Canberra now, with with all the English contingent there, I think it's a really good. I didn't play in RL. I wasn't. I was too yeah. young. But at the same time, I got in a really good system and uh, and thoroughly enjoyed. You know, my six months over there, and I played. I even stayed for a little bit longer and played just what they call park football for uh, on the northern beaches, which was fantastic. Yeah, 100%. Uh, so you played for multiple clubs such as Halifax, London uh, and Lee, I believe. Uh, would you say that the style of play of Rugby League as a whole has changed a lot over the couple of years? Uh, yes and no. Uh, the the athletes have changed yeah. the, the, with, with full-time professionalism. I played sort of, a, I was around when it was still played in winter and mostly mm. part-time. Um, but so the bodies, the athletes have changed, and 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 being a rugby player is now is twenty four seven, not mm. like it was when I came through. It was three evenings a week and play at the weekend, and now it's obviously it's a full time. And what you do off the field, away from the field, is is probably more important than what you do when you, when you when you're on it. So yeah. it's a full time professionalism is is really is really good, and and that's developed the game. But there's still characters within the game, not as many now. I played with a couple of characters along the career, along my, with my career, and we probably miss a few of them characters. The game is uh, is a bit sedated slightly in terms yeah, of yeah. the uh, no high tackles, no shoulder charges. Mm. Which, if I'm being honest, has has cleaned the game up and, and is the right way. But it, it was a different game back then for them very yeah. reasons. That there'd be yeah. at least one one fight, and I mean a proper fight, a punch mm. up fight, uh, nearly every weekend. Yeah, and that's that's what the fans really came to see, really, isn't it? That that high intensity action, which most people say isn't really around as much in rugby league anymore. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, and I, I played. You, you won't remember, but I, I played. Um, I come off the bench quite a lot for Halifax. I was only a young player, but Kelvin Skerritt, yeah. who was a very handy player, mm-hmm. and Carl Harrison, who was who captain Great Britain, and, and and another very handy player. They'd usually do twenty minutes of mixing, mixing up with the opposition front rows, getting them yeah. riled up, and then me and a couple of young forwards had come off the bench, Mike Moana, Simon Ballman, mm. people like that, and we get battered for the next sixty minutes, courtesy of the first <laughs> twenty minutes. Yeah, <laughs> so that, that that's why I look like this now. <laughs> uh, so having played the sport and now you're into the coaching uh, side of rugby league, would you say the transition from player to coach is a difficult one? And if so, how did you handle that transition? Yeah, it can be. It, it can be difficult. Um, you know, 
there is a difference when you when you play you just turn up with your boots and you train and you don't really think too much of it when you're coaching yeah you have to think of everything and and I think I had a good grounding at Halifax where I had to organise buses, doctors, the squad, retention, recruitment, pathways for players. I, I looked and, and, and got, in, got into everything. Mm. Um, when you're a player, as I say, your, your priority is to make sure you, you just perform uh, on, on the weekend and develop. Um, as a coach, you've got to develop 30 people, uh, players, and you've got to develop your staff and your organisation if, if you want to be a, a really good coach, I think. So there's a lot more, a lot more to it in terms of the dynamics of coaching. Yeah, definitely. So I've been listening to a few different rugby league podcasts recently, uh, and not many of them really mention coaches, uh, which are like the brains of rugby league, you could say. Uh, so I want to get an insight into behind the success of coaches and behind the scenes type of thing. Uh, can you give us a taste of what strengths you've learned from some of your coaches you've worked with, such as Tony Smith and Justin Holbrook, for example? Yeah, everyone is different, and I think. You pick bits of each of the people and the, the coaches that you work with. Mm. Um, you know, I, I worked with two coaches at St. Helens who yeah. were, were pretty, you know, were, were, were completely different. Uh, Justin mm. Albrook and, and Christian Wolf both got the same results. Yeah. Uh, both won, won, won grand finals, but did it in different ways. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah. And that's, you know, and, and, and one cap doesn't fit all, fit, fit all I think. And the other, the, the main, my main message about coaching is be authentic. You have to be yourself. You know, a little bit. Of, I've got a bit of Tony Smith, a bit of Justin Albrook, a bit of yeah. Christian Wolf, and and then, but the majority of it is, you know, is Richard Marshall, and that's. I think that's the main thing. You have to be an, an authentic, and if you try and be some something or somebody you're not, you'll get found out. You'll make mistakes. You'll trip yourself up. So just be authentic. Um, and don't be afraid to say, listen, I haven't got the answers, um, but I'll go away and I'll think about it and I'll find them for you. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's what makes a great coach. Uh, so being a part of some great systems over the years, such as Warrington Saints and now Salford, uh, in a dream team of players you've coached, who would make your top three and why? Of players? Yeah. Um, Adrian Morley yeah would definitely be, would, would, would 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 be on that list um just because of his coachability as an as an international uh front rower who was one of the best in the world for a number mm-hmm. of years uh it's fantastic uh to coach because obviously I was a bit daunt, daunted when I went to Warrington as a, as as a junior coach I came through the system there and I think how am I going to tell Adrian Morley how to tackle <laughs> yeah when he's just bashed half the Australian team mm. uh, but he was as coachable as, as any 18 year old player that, that I'd ever worked with uh, such a fantastic role model and player um, I'd probably add James Graham to that as well in, in yeah. a similar kind of similar kind of form J- um, very very clever very astute uh, jammer uh, effectively known and um, I, I, one of the things he came over partway through the year this year uh, to, yeah. to have his swan song mm. with St. Helens, his childhood club, which is testament to his character in himself. He had a really good career and, and everything out in Australia and <clears throat> getting yeah. all that out to come yeah. and win, a, win a grand final with St. Helens, which I admire and respect. Uh, and I also remember doing, one of the first times I met James was uh, he came in and asked, players want to see the stats after every game. They want to see how many tackles, how many carries. Yeah. And Jammer sat next to me and he said, have you got the stats from the weekend, Rich? I said, yeah, well, let's have a look at them. And on the computer screen, you get your individual stats or your player stats and then you get your team stats. 
Okay. And I watched his I watched his eyes. So I was watching him. So I put the stats up and, and his eyes just looked at the team, wasn't interested in, in his own stats. And he just talked about the team stats. Well, we did this well, we didn't do that. We're not. And after about three or four minutes, he then went on to his individual stats. And then I yeah. thought like, in terms of um, his, his attitude was, I ain't bothered about what I've done. What I'm yeah. bothered about is what the team's done first. And then I'll have a look at my, my impact on that. Uh, and that really struck a chord with me. What a champion. Yeah, um, definitely. Uh, and probably J- James Roby. James Roby is yeah. probably one of, the, one, of the, one of the most naturally gifted all-round athletes uh, I've worked with. Um, fantastic player. Um, and such a humble uh, human being. Uh, humility is a word I'd use with James Roby. Um, and he had a tough time at Saints because he wasn't playing because of injuries. Yeah. Uh, the, the the year I got there, he really struggled with with with, with certain injuries because of his age. But last year came of age, and uh, and I'm sure he'll be around for a couple more years. I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. And it's people like those, like Morley, Graham, and Roby, who are team players and they're always willing to learn. That's what makes a successful rugby player. Uh, so it's great that you've been able to experience players like that in your career. Uh, yeah, that's a good point, that Stephen. They are all good team players, and they're the ones that he plays. That if he was in the trenches, they're the ones that you'd want either side of you. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. So we'll move on to the topic of expansion. Uh, many fans recently have been calling for a fourteen-team Super League. Do you think this could uh, this idea could successfully be implemented into Super League? Yeah, I think there's merits for that. Uh, you know, it would, would the, the, the fixture list would look a lot simpler. Home and away fixtures. Against the, against the other thirteen teams, um, you know, you may have a magic round in there. I'm not quite sure, but but I think, mm. uh, but the, 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 there's pluses and minuses. Obviously, the distribution would have to be segregated between fourteen teams as opposed to twelve, which it is now. And yeah. the fixture list would would have to be amended. And and are the teams in the championship ready to step up? Well, I'm sure that London, uh, Toulouse. Lee, well, Lee are obviously in, in Super League now. The teams in there w- w- would be saying that, yeah, it's viable, we can do it. Um, yeah, I would, I'd like to see a 14 team operation. Um, yeah. I'd like, I'd hate the competition to go in less, any less than 12. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I just don't think that that, 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 will, that would work. Mm, definitely. Uh, so now that it's confirmed that Lee will take Toronto's place uh, in Super League for the coming season, do you think there's an easy way to expansion rather than the America Canada route, which the RFL have tried recently? Uh, yeah, um, we we at Salford we signed uh, Darcy Lussick and, and Andy yeah. Akers who played for Toronto, <clears throat> and their experiences were fantastic. You know that that they speak of Toronto, even though. It didn't end great. They all yeah. they've got fond memories of their time at Toronto. Um, I'm all for expansion. I think it's brilliant. Uh, yeah. I think I mean, just global globalizing the game is 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 a really good way of generating income. Yeah. Um, but I do see the side because I worked at Halifax, who were a Heartland team. They've yeah. been in Super League, dropped out in the Championship. You know, and, and I know friends at Witness as well. So. Them traditional, you know, iconic teams uh, are no longer part of the competition. You know, the main competition. Yeah. But um, but I think for us to, to to grow as a sport, yeah, we do have to look look to expand. Yeah, uh, our definitely. horizons definitely. 
Yeah, so it's like you said, there are pros and cons. So pros would be in like global expansion. There's also the cons like you need to have a sustainable grassroots game, have all of the the bases uh, sustainable before moving over to world ride expansion. I think. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, it's fair call. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so with Salford coming into the new season with high hopes, how big of a part does video analysis play in improving the team and personal performances? <laughs> Our video analysis is 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 massive uh, and is, is is completely integral to to the sport nowadays. Obviously, when I played, yeah. it was uh, video recorders, VHS. <coughs> yeah. Or you did, or you didn't even get to watch the games. Mm. Um, now everything is digitalized, and uh, and you can you, you know everyone's on the phones all the time. We even when I was at Alif. I made sure that the players got uh, clips, individual clips of their games, of their the footage of, of the oppositions as well. Yeah, it's massive. It's massive for players. Uh, everyone learns in different ways. You need to you, you need to cover all them learning different learning styles, um, and, and give them. Our job as coaches is to give the players as much information as we possibly can. Mm-hmm. Their job is to then t- take that mm-hmm. information away, dissect it, and make it relevant to their role. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Yeah, it's massive, uh, and, and and performance and analysis in terms of opposition previews uh, and, and game reviews. Uh, every player is accountable. Yeah, when, when, you know when when the vision, when the camera is on them, and and when the ball goes away, they've still got to be accountable for their actions. I think everyone uses uh, video analysis to their benefits. Yeah. Uh, so recently, prop Josh Johnson. Uh, and back Ryan Lennon have signed extensions with Salford, which will run until the end of 2023. Uh, with both being academy products of the Red Devils, how big of a part will squad depth play in 2021? Uh, and will we expect to see them on the field often this year? Yeah, squad depth, uh, I think at Salford has probably been, uh, over the last couple of years, has been has been troublesome. They've not yeah. had the, obviously, they had to forfeit a game last year through COVID and injuries and everything else. But I think uh, one of my, uh, we, we, you need squad. We, we're hopefully going to get up to 30 players this year. Um, yeah. Because you need to, you need a squad of 30, 30 yeah. full-time individual athletes. Uh, we'll hopefully get to that, which which will, you know, I feel a little, lot more confident that if we do pick up a couple of injuries, then we can cover that with quality players. Um, obviously, Josh and Ryan, who you mentioned, uh, young kids coming through the our academy. We haven't got one at the moment. We're desperate to get uh, to get systems in place. We've got Paul Rowley who's heading up that department, who do a fantastic job with Ian Blees yeah. in creating them pathways. Uh, the more players uh, who we can get from Salford to play for Salford, uh, it would be massive for us. Obviously, I mentioned Mozza, Adrian Morley, yeah, before who, who finished his career off at Salford and. Uh, mm. Having p- people like that in and around the, the city again uh, would would be, would be fantastic. What a role model he could be for for the younger generation. Yeah, it makes such a big difference. Uh, so now, being the co- head coach at Salford and being a part of the successful Saints team over the last few years, how would you sum up your coaching philosophy or your approach to coaching? Like, how do you determine success with your teams? Is it about uh, developing players, winning trophies? Like, what's it all about? Well, ultimately. Yeah. My job is to win rugby league games. Yeah. Um, f- full stop. That that that's ultimately what how I'll get um, how I assess myself and 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 how I'll, I'll be perceived as a, as a as a as a new coach coming in. So, mm-hmm. 
So that's that's the ultimate aim is to win games. Uh, now the, the the that's okay. That's easier said than done. The, yeah. What I what I look forward to is seeing players develop and mm-hmm. perform at a high level uh, week on week and and, and continuous improvement. Um, as I said to him, you know my my philosophy is about development. Yeah. Uh, if I can get the the right development structures in place, and and and. And coach the player that he's got a, a holistic attitude towards coaching. He can catch, he can pass, he can step, he can tackle, he can kick if needed to be. You know, and that's that's what I want to do. I want to I want to create um, rugby intellectual players who understand the game how it should be played, um, and get and, and, and learn from them. Uh, yeah. I think it's important that you, you never stop learning. Uh, I'm doing some education at the moment. Mm-hmm. doing a university course and you know and I'm, I'm sort of 45 now and I'm just yeah. sort of I'm still learning still developing I know Ian Blee's at Salford he's done a couple of masters and he's still developing and I want my players to develop yeah on and off on and off the field I think it's important that they develop all the uh, the attributes of being a decent human being first and foremost yeah 100% I think Salford are definitely a team to look out for uh, in the coming season with recruitments and often Salford are un- uh, underlooked and overlooked but they can come out and surprise teams so I think this year with a solid um, with a solid base like like you say is being developed I think they can definitely do some bits this year so do I I hope so or else I wouldn't yeah. have gone there I'm looking forward to the challenge we've got a great squad we've got a great uh, support staff and uh, roll on the 2021 season Definitely. Uh, now, to finish off the podcast, as always, we'll do some quick-fire <coughs> questions. Uh, so let's get started. Question one, who's the standout player you've coached or played alongside with? I uh, played alongside a player called Jim Dimmock, who played for Australia, London. Fantastic player, uh, yeah. brilliant player. Uh, Coaching-wise, I really like coaching Morgan Knowles at St. Helens. I thought he was a wonderful young player who's going to be oh, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and an international player, so very coachable young young man. Definitely. Uh, question two: As a coach, would you rather win a Challenge Cup or a Super League Grand Final? Uh, grand Final. Grand right. Final. Question three: Which do you prefer, McDonald's or KFC? Obviously, being a, a you know a highly tuned ex athlete, <laughs> I don't prefer. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. You wouldn't catch me anywhere near them two places. However, if I was very very hungry, it would be KFC. Okay, uh, question four. Who works the hardest in the Salford training camp? Uh, our fitness conditioner, Gareth Whittaker. He's working very hard, getting all them players fit. Yeah, good shout. Uh, and finally, question five. <laughs> if you had to choose one team from the Australian Origin Series, which would it be, Queensland or New South Wales? Because I did a little bit over in Manly, I'd have to be a blue. I'd have to support New South Wales. I've got a lot of friends there, and uh, so I'd be a, a blue. All right. Uh, so before we finish off the podcast, do you have anything you'd like to say to any of the young listeners who are trying to make it in the world of rugby league? Uh, yeah, rugby league, fantastic sport. Um, there's lots yeah. of merits in other sports, you know, Um but it teaches you the values, you know, respect, humility, discipline. Yeah. All the things that that we need uh, that I try and teach. I've got two young boys as well, and I'm trying to teach them um, that, that them values and, and sport and rugby league in particular is a great vehicle for that. Yeah, definitely. So thank you very much for joining us here, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, you've 
got a lot to say on rugby league and i think you and the soccer boys can really produce some good rugby this year uh hopefully next season the coming season everything goes to plan and uh, the season starts as uh predicted uh once again thanks for joining us today i uh, hope you get back on the podcast sometime in the future so we can have another great chat about rugby league cheers mate and all the best you're welcome steven take care mate Bye. here comes the here comes the here comes the y'all don't really worry like yeah. here comes the